Welcome to The Way the World Works, where the trusted team behind the Tuttle Twins books tackles current events, hot topics, and fun ideas to help your family find clarity in a world full of confusion. Hey, Brittany. Hi, Connor. Okay, so another year is over, which means we have the opportunity, I think, to reflect, you might say, mm-hmm. or, or remember some of the crazy things or, or the important things that happened this past year in 2023. Uh, and see what lessons we can learn. On the back of our history books, for the kids who have those, if not, you go to tuttletwins.com slash history and, and get those books. They're pretty awesome. But on the back of the books, we have this quote at the top that a lot of people have heard. It says, those who don't learn from the past are condemned to repeat it. So we, we want to you know learn from the mistakes of the past, the challenges, the failures, what are the lessons, and we want to always be getting better. We want to improve. So I thought we could take a minute here in this episode, Brittany, to talk about some of the things that happened in 2023, our observations about them, why they were uh, important. And uh, maybe I'll start with uh, with Israel and, and Hamas. In October, uh, Hamas attacked uh, Israel, took a lot of people hostage, caught a lot of people by surprise. At the time of this recording, you know, it's still going on. There's been some ceasefire. There's been some exchange of hostages. Um, to me, uh, it was it was very interesting when this happened because uh, we had like the the week after the attack is when we released our book, uh, the the Tuttle Twins Guide to True Conspiracies. Mm-hmm. We released it on Friday the thirteenth in October, and so that was about a week after the attack. Now, why am I connecting the two, Israel and Hamas? as well as, you know, a guide to true conspiracies. Well, here I'm publishing a book that I've spent, you know, a year and a half working on, learning deeply about all these, not conspiracy theories, but like documented, very clear examples of conspiracy and corruption. And then I'm seeing Israel and, and Israel is attacked. Israel is the most surveilled, like, like the Gaza Strip border, you know, between Israel and, and Gaza is the most heavily surveilled, meaning there's a lot of surveillance, a lot of cameras, a lot of people watching, most heavily surveilled place on the entire planet. And and then I was seeing all these people who used to be in the military, uh, the Israel Defense Forces, IDF, who on social media were saying, I used to work at the border. If a bird flew by, we would know about it. Hmm. Like they tracked everything. So you're telling me in, in the most, you know, surveilled, heavy lockdown state that these bunch of random folks on little what did they call them like paragliders? paragliders yeah you know with like parachutes and fans all just like suddenly got through and, and went through and pulled all these people out. so so to me it was kind of a a red alert because in our book we document examples of what are called false flag incidents which is when the government wants an attack to happen or people within the government i should say want an attack to happen, allow an attack to happen because they are able to then go to war. They're able to help their military industrial complex buddies make even more money. Their polling numbers go up. I mean, think of George Bush, you know, and Richard Nixon, all all these different people, FDR. When, When there's war involved, when there's these big government programs, everyone looks to them as a savior and they're, you know, the polling numbers go up and, and, uh, and so politicians really love war. And so do I have documentation about Israel? No, but there were a lot of red flags where I'm like, okay, wait a minute. You know, is it, is it possible that some folks in Israel allowed or wanted this to happen so that they could then 
carpet bomb, you know, and destroy a lot of infrastructure in Gaza so that they could get more foreign aid from people so that they could get more sympathy on the world stage. I think it's possible. Did it happen for sure? We can't say yet. Maybe we'll find out in the future. There's actually already some evidence kind of coming out that uh, there were people aware. And, and so the word has kind of gotten out. But, but that's one observation from 2023 for me is that these conspiracies that we documented in our new book, which you can find at TuttleTwins.com slash conspiracies, that these aren't just historical examples, that things like this can and still do happen. That's not to say that it was the case with Israel. Again, the, the truth, uh, that's the other observation, Brittany, is that these conspiracies, a lot of them, we know about them decades later. Yep. <laughs> now, finally, a document is declassified or, you know, something. And, and so it's so hard to know the truth in the present. It's all propaganda and deceptions. And everyone believes this false story until many decades later, the truth is finally revealed. So that's another observation I have. What's, what's one of yours from 2023? Yeah, I think one of the biggest ones for me is the Supreme Court struck down affirmative action in mm -hmm. college. And that was a big deal. So affirmative action, I think we've talked about it a little bit on here before, but that is when certain people of certain like a, like if you're like gender or race, you're given special privileges and you're let into a college before other people ba and based primarily on your race or your gender. So like I know a lot of times it happens with women and um, any minority, right? But what was happening at these schools, Harvard specifically, was they were changing it to give special privileges to certain minorities, but they were doing it specifically to keep other minorities out. And in this case, it was uh, Asian American students were being openly discriminated against, actually, because they were saying, no, we want to switch these policies and keep them out and then, you know, raise up others. And and that's where it was able to get to the Supreme Court. And the court was able to address that. Why are we letting people in on their race at all? That shouldn't be why we let people into college. The whole point of college is getting in based on your merit, meaning getting in based on what you have accomplished. And if you've accomplished what you need to accomplish to keep up with the workload at a school like Harvard, then you should be allowed in. But somebody shouldn't be let in just because they're a girl or just because they happen to be of a certain, you know, minority. And so that was happening for, I think it was back in, I should know this, there was a other Supreme Court case that happened decades earlier that the court actually said, no, you can, you can let people in based on their race. And so this was a really big deal because it overturned it basically it kind of erased that other ruling. And it was a big step for equality before the law because right now, and we've talked about this before too, we have equity. Right now, equity is all the rage in this country where people think that if you are a minority or if you're any, any protected class that they think was disadvantaged in some way, that you should get special privileges. So instead of saying like, we should each have equal opportunity to something, meaning, you know, Connor, doesn't matter where you and I were born, if it was different places, we both have the ability to, to work hard for something, that that's good. That's a quality. But what equity says is that if somebody is from, let's say that I came from a poorer background than you, then I should have automatically more privileges to put me on the same, and I'm saying this in scare quote, like level the playing field. And that's just not how it works. That's not how equality of the of the, before the law works. We're all individuals. We're not based on our you know our race or our gender. So that was a really big deal to me, and I think that's that's a really exciting thing to see moving forward. Hmm. Okay. Uh, another one that I'll share is uh, AI, and in particular Chat GPT. So just uh, a little bit before twenty twenty three started is when the tool came out. But all year long there have been a number of 
uh, huge uh, developments in artificial intelligence. And uh, so many people use ChatGPT. I use it multiple times a day. And one of the things that excites me the most about artificial intelligence is its application to education. I watched a TED talk a few months ago from Saul Khan. He is the guy behind Khan Academy, which a lot of kids use for math. And he was uh, on stage doing a TED talk talking about how a lot of school teachers are mortified by ChatGPT because they're just worried that their students are just going to go to ChatGPT and say, hey, you know, write me an essay about the Articles of Confederation and then it'll spit it out and they'll turn it in. And I'm sure there you know, are and will be students who do that. <clears throat> what Saul Khan talked about though on stage, he said, when you look at history and you look at the kids who succeeded the most academically, who were the most proficient, prolific, productive, etc. It was the aristocracy, the wealthy people. Well, why is that? Well, it's because they didn't put their kid in a school with, you know, 30 other kids where a teacher's just, you know, teaching to the bottom and, you know, teaching slowly to let everyone catch up. No. The wealthy people could afford a tutor. So you had a one-on-one or a one-to-one ratio between, you know, the tutor slash teacher and the student. And so what Khan talks about in this uh, speech is he says, that is the potential of artificial intelligence. Think, think of this. If a kid has a, a question and doesn't know how to do something, uh, what are some reasons why they might not raise their hand to ask the question that they need answered when they're in a classroom environment? Well, I, I think the, the answer is obvious. They don't want to look stupid in front of other people, right? And, and so... excuse me, they may hold themselves back. They may withdraw. They may just keep it to themselves and therefore not get access to the information that they need. But when you're chatting with a bot, there's no inhibitions. There's no, you know, looking stupid. You can ask literally any question that you have. So one of the cool things that Khan Academy is building is a tool. They call it Conmigo, which is a playoff of Conmigo, which in Spanish means with me, but they're building this little tool, this AI tool that is iterative, I think is the word. So in other words, rather than chat GPT, just dumping the answer out for you, here's the essay or here's the, you know, the answer, the AI that they're building is very interactive or iterative, meaning that it's not going to give you the full answer. It's going to be like a tutor sitting next to you saying, okay, well, you know, you need to figure out the answer to this question. Where should you start? And you can type back, well, I think we're supposed to solve for X. Okay. And, you know, how do we, how do we know what to put in the Y variable? Oh, well, I I think we have to, you know, and just back and forth kind of helping the student step by step as if you had a little, you know, buddy sitting next to you, a little tutor who you don't have to feel silly asking any question under the sun. That to me is transformational. It, It is an opportunity for every kid, no matter their skill level, their knowledge level, comprehension where they can access, you know, knowledge and they can get questions answered. And, and so I get really excited. Now, are there downsides to AI? 100%. You know, just like there's downsides to the internet. Everything, everything. And social media <laughs> and guns and, you know, video games and, you know, whatever. So there are downsides and we want to mitigate those. We want to manage them. We want to, you know, reduce their impact for sure. But I'm very optimistic when it comes to artificial intelligence and education 
because I think it opens up just so, I mean, think if you're, you know, a kid in rural Indiana or if you're in, you know, Togo, Africa or like all over the place, you know, not only do you have like Wikipedia and, you know, whatever access you, you now literally like everyone has a, a tutor who is, you know, among the smartest in the world because these chat GPTs and other AIs basically pass all these like, you know, the SAT and the ACT and the, you know, do they make mistakes? Do they, what's called hallucinate? They make some stuff up. They absolutely do. That'll get better over time. But even right now, they're passing these tests better than the vast majority of humans and everybody has access to this tool. Um, and, and so, yes, there's downsides, but I think 2023 opened a lot of um, really interesting opportunities for the future with tools like AI. And while I'm a little skeptical and nervous in a sense, I'm also very optimistic. What's one that you got, Brittany? Yeah, and this has kind of been, I think, a theme of the the last few episodes, and that is the um, Argentina election, presidential mm-hmm. election, where, mm-hmm. and I always butcher his name, Javier Millet. Ah, Millet. Okay, I was close. Um, one, and he rhymes with filet, like filet. Okay, I won't forget that because I love steak. That's in, in my brain forever now. <laughs> but he won the election, which is just crazy news because he is the first openly libertarian president to ever be elected. And this is a huge deal for a few reasons. One, because that's really cool. We've never had a president in any country talking about Hayek and Mises and Rothbard. So that's very cool. But also what it means for Argentina, who has been just on the downfall with their economy for a long time. And as Connor, you and I talked about in another episode, they've got the um, second largest economy in in, uh, South America. So this is a big deal because they've been dealing with hyperinflation and a lot of poverty. So now you have a libertarian coming in to, to lead a country. And so I think that's one of the most exciting things we saw this year or 2023. And it's, it's uh, exciting to see what he's going to do with that. It very much is. And maybe I'll lead us into a, a brief um, kind of conclusion about 2024. So it's going to be an adventurous year. <laughs> yes, got, it will be. <laughs> we've got a, pr- a presidential circus uh, that's going to happen or some call it an election. But lots of, you know, debates, quote unquote, uh, lots of theatrics. We're going to have a lot of economic turmoil, you know, more inflation, more problems. Uh, There's just going to be a lot of things going on. Now, one of the things that I think is important, especially for starting a new year, is thinking how can we shape the events rather than just be reacting to them? So what are what are the goals that you have? What are the things that you want to accomplish when you look at this 2024 a year from now what do you want to have happened and taking the time to think through what you can create what you can do what you can learn it's so very easy to just like you know scroll social media or watch the news or watch tv and just like be passive and reactive rather than proactive and and trying to you know change the world change your life improve yourself gain more education start a business uh, this could even even with if you know there's a recession or still lots of challenges in the world. Maybe there's you know massive war breaks out or or who knows what's going to happen. Uh, but even in the most trying of times, we can still prosper and we can still progress and we can still succeed. And so I challenge all of you listening to think through how can I make 2024 the best year I've ever had. We hope that it is for you. We hope that it is for us. Uh, we live in interesting times, if nothing else. <laughs> And uh, we'll be here on the podcast to keep documenting it. TuttleTwins.com slash podcast is where you can check up on the past ones. Thank you, as always, for listening, for sharing with other families to spread the word. 
Hope you guys have an amazing New Year's. We kick it off. Brittany, great talking as always. And until next time, we'll talk to you later. Talk to you later. You've been listening to The Way the World Works. Make sure your family is subscribed and check out TuttleTwins.com for more awesome content.